Hello, everyone. I know here on the Three Wise Men podcast, we normally joke around and have lots of fun. But before we get into that, the three of us want to take a solemn moment of silence in honor of the crimes committed in Dallas by former SMU player Craig James and take this moment to remember the five. And with that, welcome back to your favorite podcast with your favorite three geniuses giving their not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football. We've got a lot to get into this week. We've got a, a rivalry game coming up this weekend that we've got to talk about. But before we get into that, we just came off of a beatdown of Houston. The Frogs, who have been struggling a fair amount this season went into Houston at night where weird things happen and beat Houston by 23 in their own stadium. Before we celebrate what went so well to let us win by 23, what necessarily didn't go so great in this game down in Houston? Well, I think the obvious one is special teams. Um, Started out okay with Griffin Kell hitting a field goal or two. Uh, and then it was kind of downhill from there. Uh, it started really, the kickoff return was just, I had never seen anything like it where we had two guys who had their arms wrapped around Golden and then just decided not to tackle him they just they just let him go and he just ran off with it and uh then they got away with a little bit of a hold or a hands to the face on the kicker there on the return but honestly like you can't really you can't really complain about that the fact that we had him tackled and then didn't tackle him is an issue and then we almost had the same thing happen two other times where on a kickoff return where the guy almost got loose again and we luckily got him down like around the 50. Uh, and then on the 61 yard field goal by Kyle at the very end of the first half, uh, they almost returned that for a touchdown, if not for a fantastic play uh, by DeAndre Rogers. Uh, that well, that should have been a touchdown. When that happened, I literally texted you saying, man, their return man scares me. And you had to point out, that, those are different people that returned to that. And I, it hit me. I was like, oh, shoot, we just suck at stopping this. And we were that, like you said, short of a miraculous play at the end there, that very easily could have been a return for a touchdown. Yeah, it just it was not uh, Mark Tarmadal's crew's best day. No, and, and kind of moving on to – Another area that I thought probably could improve, I would say the interior of the offensive line specifically. Um, I thought our tackles did a pretty good job holding up, but especially whenever SMU came with pressure, uh, we, we didn't do a great job of communicating, sliding to protect the quarterback. Chandler was running around like a chicken with his head cut off half the game because he was under pressure by a bunch of guys twice his size. So I think I would say Coker did really well at tackle. Um, he held up 
his end of the bargain, but I'm, I'd like to see a little bit better performance out of our interior of the line. Yeah, I think, and they'll have a chance to prove that this week. Really, it didn't matter all that much, in my opinion, that the line didn't do too well because Imani Bailey was just so good. Fourth down play calling is something that that I have um, on my list. I don't think it was terribly good. We had a couple fourths downs. Uh, Chandler, like you said, miraculously escaped and ran for one, one or two. But man, that pass to Wiley, like it should not have been thrown. Chandler, yes, that's exactly it. yes. Pass should not have been thrown. But even if Wiley wasn't held and caught the ball, it wasn't going to be a first down. It was such a weird decision. Everything was wrong with it. Like it's, it's not even like a, everything that could go wrong would go wrong, because even if everything went right, that wouldn't have worked. I don't know what the goal was. The goal was not to get a first down, and that's what was concerning. <laughs> On fourth and one, fourth and two, you put Trey Sanders in, and you let the big back do what the big back it's does, and literally just what it up we the middle. It's what we have Trey Sanders for. Exactly. Exactly. We also yeah. had a couple drops, two of them, which were really just killers. Um, the ones that stood out to me were JoJo's drop was just tough. JoJo's drop was a touchdown, if not for the drop. It and that's was 100% a touchdown. Yeah. And then Jordan Bailey had a drop. That would have been a first down as well. And then uh, Flash had a drop. So we one drop a game, I think that's relatively normal. And really, with our three drops, Houston probably had double or triple. But I'd love to get the drops cleaned up, turnovers cleaned up. Chandler had a fantastic game, but those two turnovers are killers. This, uh, the interception in the red zone, that's what his third interception in the red zone in four games? It's three not, games. Three games, shoot. Yeah. That's and quite game. frankly, Nichols State doesn't really count as a game. It's really his third interception in two games. Yeah. that That's. We'd love for that not to happen. Yeah. I think that's a little concerning that to your point he's turning the ball over not only just turning it over but turning it over in the red zone which to me tells me he's trying to force passes that just aren't there um obviously travis hunters in week one was a spectacular interception um and we talked about that but i i agree that cleaning up turnovers especially with chandler is going to be really important i think amani for the most part, has done a good job of holding onto the ball. Trey Sanders has done a good job of holding onto the ball. Um, I would expect to see definitely Sanders continue to to carry the ball well. Um, I know Amani has had issues with that in the past um, of not necessarily taking good care of the football whenever he's running. But, um, yeah, I – I get worried with 
the decision-making for Chandler seeing multiple interceptions in key points of the game. That's about right. With that, uh, do we want to dive into the flip side of this coin? What went well this weekend? And the answer is hopefully a lot because we did do pretty dang well. We won by 23. I saw, I think it was Jeff Mitchell tweeted that obviously last year TCU was winning and was a demonstrably better team than we were this year. But the reality is last year, other than OU and Houston, we didn't have any big wins. Like we played bad teams pretty close. So it was nice to see the Frogs go into Houston at night and win by three possessions. Uh, so with that, what? Why did we win by three possessions? Why did it? Why did it go so well? Yeah, I'll, I'll start us off. Amani Bailey is that dude. Um, what, a very wise man said to me once that Amani Bailey equals success. Yes, and it's it's very true. He had 23 carries this game and did a lot with them. Had over 100 yards. Um, his speed is game-breaking in a lot of ways. Um, and his touchdown run that he had, uh, the change of direction that he had and the ability to stay on his feet looked a lot like Kendra last year. Um, I've been really impressed with his balance. And that was something that, that I was – always really high on with Kendra Miller is that I thought he was, he had some of the best balance out of any running back I'd ever watch. And Imani is definitely showcasing that same level of body control. And it's, it's exciting to see. And the guy is just a stud. Um, couple his speed with Trey Sanders. And we have a really, really dynamic one, two punch in the running game. He's an animal. He's so freaking good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about what happens if he's not there for a game. But uh, knock on wood. Did, did you guys hear what the announcer said last night about Kendra and the Georgia game? That was the funniest thing I've ever heard. One of the announcers says he thinks the Georgia game may have gone differently if we had Kendra. He was like, that would have shifted the momentum and TCU could have won that game. <laughs> Like maybe we would have scored one or two more times. Uh, no, I no, he's right. That's that's the that's what happened. Kendra was out, otherwise that game's an easy dub for the frogs. <laughs> but all kidding aside, to your actual point, Amani is so much of our offense and so much of who we are that he really could be the difference between us losing a game by sixty and not. Like he's it, your your worry about what happens without him is a very rightful worry because he's everything to our team. Yeah, and you could see it on the first drive. That first drive was so beautiful. It was gorgeous. It minute and a half, take it 75 yards in like six plays. Absolutely gorgeous. Touchdown throw. The throw from Chandler to Warren Thompson was just beautiful. Imani had like 20, 25 yards on that drive as well. It was a perfect mix of tempo, precision from Chandler, and just speed from Bailey. I that that first drive really set the tone for the game, in my opinion. Yeah, it we you couldn't have written it better. Like that was the perfect way to start the game. 
I don't even know if there's much more to be said on it because it was so spot on. Yeah. I honestly, I thought that this game from a touches perspective went about as perfect as it could go. 20 to 25 touches for Bailey a game in the running game. I think that's perfect. That's what he should be at. And then you have Sanders right around 10 to 13. Great. Yeah, I think I'd like to see the Sanders and Morris numbers flip-flopped for next game. But, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's definitely the right mix um, in terms of breakdown for carries. Like, Amani should be getting a large portion of our offensive focus. Um, Kind of transitioning off of that um, in terms of offensive focus, I think Savion obviously scored a touchdown this game. Um, we had talked about it last week where I wanted him to have a breakout game. I don't think this was necessarily that. I think it was a step in the right direction for sure, obviously, but I'm still waiting for him to kind of take over one of these football games. In my opinion, JPR and Warren Thompson have definitely shown up and shown that they are Chandler Morris's top two targets in the receiver room. Um Richardson's looked really good in that slot role. I think um, Besh has looked really good in the few plays that he's been in. Um, I I like his style of play. I like the fact that he's kind of a pseudo tight end for us in that slot. Um, The the inner workings of our offense in terms of like JPR, Besh, Wiley has been working really, really well for Chandler. and then having the big guys and Warren Thompson and Savion on the outside, I think it can work. We have to be able to give Chandler time to be able to hit those deep routes that the two guys on the outside are running. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of Savion, I have in my notes uh, for the first half, does Savion exist? <laughs> and then come to the second half and I just have, he exists with, 10 exclamation points. (laughs) (laughs) The the favorite part of the episode every week is when I hear any insight from Jacob's notes. (laughs) (laughs) The ball tracking from him on that touchdown pass was perfect, and Chandler dropped it right in the bucket. But there were a couple times in the game as well where Savion had one-on-one on the outside before the play was even snapped and everybody was lined up. Chandler was still looking to the side for the play call. And the dude was jumping up and down, waving his arms over his head like a maniac because he wanted Chandler to look at him because he knew he had one-on-one and could beat the guy. And Chandler, I don't even think saw him. But it was just funny because he did that four or five times. And I think that if we can give him, he had, he had three targets and three catches this game. If we can give him five targets, six targets and five catches, that would be perfect. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, last note, I'll say on like kind of what worked. Um, obviously we talked a little bit about Gillespie adjusting the, the defense and pushing the corners up a little bit. I think that was helpful. Um, Obviously we got burned a little bit, saved by some drops here and there, but I think overall the adjustment was good and needed. Our run defense this year, outside of obviously a couple big plays during the Colorado game, 
has looked really, really good and really stout. And yeah, I'd say specifically Johnny Hodges in the middle has been phenomenal and really sliding into that D winners in the backfield, making, making plays role and that we saw last year. And, and he's been really good. He obviously got um, a missed call and didn't get the safety when realistically he probably should have, but I thought Hodges was phenomenal this game in terms of just stout run defense and filling in gaps were needed. We wrapped up a lot better than we had in the past two games. And while we're complimenting the defense, it's worth noting we have not given up an offensive touchdown since the Colorado game. And I know that we've only played nickel state and I know Houston is not particularly good, but at the end of the day, Georgia gave up a touchdown to UT Martin and that's not to criticize Georgia. It's to say that even when you're playing the nobodies, you give up a touchdown randomly. Like these the people sneak by. The fact that we have given up zero offensive touchdowns since week one is kind of incredible, considering we haven't felt particularly great about this defense. Yeah, I mean, Texas gave up an offensive touchdown to Alabama. So I know that joke of the team. <laughs> Yeah, Texas transitively defense, basically gave up a touchdown to USF. <laughs> our, our defense had, especially this game, the defense was was really good. And we've Connor and I have always said big plays are going to happen, especially in the Big Twelve. But if you can limit them to one to two big game or big plays per game, then you have a really good chance of winning the game. And I believe Houston had one. They had it on their first offensive drive. They had like that 54-yard pass. And then they might have had like a 27-yard pass in the fourth quarter. But they had 36 total yards in the second quarter. Or the third quarter, excuse me. The third quarter. That's, That's good defense. And the first three Houston drives, we stopped them in their own 20. You can't really ask for much more than that. And and we can we can say that Houston isn't spectacular and they lost to Rice all we want. And Houston is probably going to be close to the bottom of the Big 12 this year. But quite frankly, had you asked me two weeks ago, in fact, I probably said something like this on the podcast, I didn't feel good about us being able to put up any defense even against Houston. I mean, this is improvement from what I was expecting. Yeah, it's what you want to see. Yeah. Going through. Yeah, All right. We've well, definitely seen a positive trend since the Colorado game. Oh, for sure. We've gotten a little better every game. With all that, Barrett, who gets our Golden Player of the Game award? Yeah. So, Golden Player of the Game for this game, I don't think it comes as any surprise. It's Imani. It's always Imani. <laughs> He's. He is the offense at this point in the season, and he, he's shown why he's arguably our most important player. He's just been incredibly good. <laughs> he's the man. Full stop. All right. Jacob, who is our Franken-sensational player? We're going to kind of take a turn here and go to somebody who doesn't 
have his name called unless something bad happens, really. And we're going to give the Franken Sensational Player Award to Andrew Coker. We called him out last week on this podcast saying you need to improve. And the guy played well. He had a great game. The pressure that Chandler faced was from the interior, not the exterior. So great job, Andrew Coker. Props. You were frank and sensational this week. Was Andrew Coker last week's player we want more out of? He was. Okay. All right, well, this week's player we want more out of, hopefully following the same trend and will become next week's frank and sensational. But for now, we want to see more out of JoJo Earl. Like we were talking about earlier, his drop cost the Frogs a touchdown. He's got the talent to be more more than we've seen, and we'd like to see that. Yeah, I think even in special teams, he hasn't really – he didn't really impress in punt return um, in this game. I think Houston had pretty good coverage, all things considered. But, um, yeah, he needs to be better. I mean, he's he's a huge talent coming over from Alabama, and he's got the speed and the ability to do put it all together. Just hasn't so far. All right, so we um now can get in to pounding the ponies, Jacob. What players should we be watching out for next week against SMU? Well, SMU is really kind of a hard team to diagnose up to this point in the season because they've played two cupcakes and Oklahoma. So they've played the easiest teams that you can play, and they've played one of the better teams in the Big 12, if not the country. I mean, they've looked fantastic, especially on offense this year. So on top of that, no, none of their players are at least on offense. None of their skill position players have played all three games. Everybody's been out for a game. So it's, I've, I tried to look and see who their number one receiver is. And I think that that would be Jake Bailey. He has 13 catches for 136 yards. He has played in all three games, which might be why he's their number one wide receiver. But Jake Bailey. He's a starter. Um, he's been there for a couple years now, and he he'll be somebody to watch. Uh, as as far as their running backs go, Kamar Wheaton uh, started last game. It was his first game action of the year, so he didn't play either of the first two games. Uh, he's transfer from Bama, former five star running back. Preston Stone is their quarterback. TCU fans will remember because when Sonny came over, there was rumors that he was going to be bring Preston over because nobody knew that Max was going to do what Max did last year at that point. But Stone's been good. He has almost 800 yards, nine touchdowns, uh, two interceptions, but he is not a dual-threat quarterback. He is a pure pocket guy. So QB spy... We might keep one on certain plays, but I think for the most part, Barrett will talk about this later. There's no reason to keep one. As far as other players on offense, of course, you have Jordan Hudson. The guy who could not cut it here at TCU 
He could not. He was seventh on this, at least, on this spring's depth chart. Transferred out because he couldn't, he knew he wasn't going to get playing time. He was being passed by true freshmen. And he has five catches for 109 yards with two touchdowns. Basically, he's a big play or he does absolutely nothing. So if we can cover him deep, which I think our DBs are going to have a bone to pick. I hope our DBs are going to have a bone to pick with him and not let him get anything. But that's about it for their offense. Their defense has one pick on the year, 11 sacks, so they do get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, overall, though, I think they're just relatively solid. They held OU to 28 points. Well, and also when they played OU, OU covered the spread and won by several touchdowns, but that became true with like two minutes on the clock. That was a neck-and-neck game that the score did not reflect. Yeah, it, holding them to 28 points when they've scored 73 and 66 points in their other games. They're a good defense, so we're not going to be able to just completely do whatever we want on offense. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of add on to this, moving into the schemes themselves. Obviously, we know Rhett Lashley – He's their head coach. Uh, He was Miami's offensive coordinator a couple years ago before he came over to SMU. I think he's a pretty good coach. He's definitely got two really good coordinators. Um, I think maybe slightly underrated coordinators at times. And coming over to SMU with him, obviously the past last year and then again this year. Um, His DC, Scott Simons, was DC over at Liberty under Hugh Freeze. Um, he was a Broyles nominee back in 2019. And that year, Liberty had like a top 20 defense in the country. And they were number nine total defense, number eight in red zone and scoring defense. What year did you say he was at Liberty? 2019. Okay, so this was a couple years after Liberty beat Baylor. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's a good DC. He runs a 3-3-5. And... So not like it's it's a lot like what we would have seen with with Gary, obviously, um, and with what we're seeing with Gillespie. Um, he's an aggressive defensive coordinator, and you see that in the sack numbers. Uh, I think SMU has a very good run defense and not a very good pass defense. Um, their corners get burned a lot. Um, so I would – Expect probably Amani to have a quieter game, although we know he has the speed to to break a game open anytime he wants, really. I think that Savion and Warren Thompson will have a field day with this team because um, they get beat deep and they get beat deep a lot. Well, and we, I, I'm never worried about going up against a good rush defense because our running squad is the best thing on our team. But you've been calling, like you said, for Savion to have a breakout game. From what you're describing, this is his chance to have a breakout game. I I joked it when I was talking with you guys earlier today that we should have Imani Bailey just be above the Golden Award because he's always going to be it. I would love to be proven wrong next week and have Savion just break 
break loose against this pass defense and give us a reason to give someone else the golden award. Yeah. yeah. Wholeheartedly be, agree with that. That'd be great. On on the flip side of the ball, on the offensive side, OC's Casey Woods. Um, again, he was a Broyles, nom- Broyles Award nominee last year as SMU's offensive coordinator. Um, previously, he was at Mizzou as a tight end coach. I think he's pretty good, too, obviously. Most of the com- country does as well, being nominated for the best assistant coach last year. But, um, again, spread, air raid offense. Um, I would say one of the differences between this SMU team and Houston in particular, they've got a good offensive line. Um, they've got the talent outside just like Houston did in the speed um, to be able to break games. But their offensive line is good and specifically in pass protection. And they don't have like anything super crazy in a run game. They're good. They're, they're not great. Um, but I, I don't expect to see us getting a whole lot of pressure on them um, in this game. That's if we do start finding the quarterback quickly and getting some sacks, getting some hurries. I think that can easily change this game because we haven't necessarily seen that in the past few games with SMU. Um, And like this year for their schedule, their quarterback got a cannon of an arm and he likes to throw it deep a lot. Um, So Mark Perry and Bud Clark are going to have their, their work cut out for them in this game and look for him to huck it and look for him to huck it often. All right. Do we have anything more we're expecting from SMU or TCU we want to talk about this week? No. No. I think TCU covers. So I just checked the spread before this, and as of right when we started recording, it was only TCU by four and a half. Yep. I I totally think TCU. Now, I'm very scared of this game. The SMU game scares me every year, and this year with us not being so – Great. I'm particularly scared, but we've been improving week to week. Like you said, other than the Oklahoma game, I mean, SMU put up 70 points yesterday, but it was against Prairie View A&M. I think TCU at home can beat SMU, and if we beat SMU, it's not going to be a field goal. It's, we're, we're covering. I agree. Yeah. One of the, the things that I kind of forgot to mention about SMU's offense and how I expect this game to play out. Obviously we have, we've talked about it. We have a really good run defense. If we can keep SMU in second long, third and long, um, they're not that great in terms of third down conversion. So if we can get ahead of the chains and keep them like in a long to, to go situation where they, we know that they realistically have to throw the ball and um, they tend to struggle in those scenarios as do most teams, obviously, but SMU in particular. That is good to know. Well, with that, we don't have a guest this week. It is just us three wise men, which is, quite frankly, all anybody really comes here for anyway. We are everyone's three (laughs) favorite geniuses. Our guests are just some side guest genius. So the three of us have some picks for this week. But before we do, we want to highlight a couple things that happened this past week. First one was K-State versus Mizzou. We, uh, I think we all picked K-State in that game. 
I had money on K-State covering in that game, and K-State really bummed me out. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on that game? Wild into the game. Absolutely wild. Props to the Mizzou kicker. I don't even know what his name is, but hitting his kicker one yard. Huh? He's the thicker kicker. <laughs> yes. Hitting a 61-yard field goal to especially in any sense, but especially to win the game. Yeah, with the amount of pressure that was on that 61-yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, I keeping up with that game, K-State didn't look great as evidenced by the fact that they lost to Mizzou, which, again, I had mentioned this a while back. Mizzou, for whatever reason, has really talented players. Brady Cook at quarterback looks really good. Um, Burden as the number one receiver absolutely cooked K State secondary. Um, I weird game. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the weirdest endings I've ever seen. To like come out of a timeout and get a delay of game penalty, and then kick after the delay of game penalty. Just absolutely nuts. Props to Mizzou's quarterback. The dude was hurt like the entire game. He played through it. That's awesome for him. Honestly, and Will Howard was hurt too, and he played through it. So just wait, 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 wait. Will Howard got hurt, but TCU wasn't even there. So how was it our fault? We'll have to ask special team view about that on Twitter. Oh, wait. I'm sure he'll let us know. Oh, that's <laughs> right. You deleted his Twitter account. <laughs> All right. Well, on that joy of those K-State fans suffering, we can move on to BYU-Arkansas. Uh, one of our wise men was lucky enough to be there, although it may not have been as lucky as he'd like to have been. I had money on BYU covering. I think I was much happier than Barrett was that day. Um, how, how do we feel about that? Uh, how did that game go? I'll let Barrett take this one, despite uh, the fact that he might not want to. Yeah. Thanks, Connor. Like I, like Connor said, I was at this game. Um, I was down like right by the, the field. So had a great view of it. Um, honestly, again, props to BYU. They won the game. They came out on top. Neither offense looked good. Um, BYU's quarterback, Keaton Slovis, looked like he missed a lot of throws, had a horrible completion percentage, didn't really move the ball that well. Um, This game was really weird in the fact that, like, it didn't feel like it was a very high-scoring game and ended up being very much so a high-scoring game. Um, Obviously, there was a punt return. Isaiah Satania, dude's fast. Um. Hogs did not look that great on offense. Um, I would have liked to see them run the ball more. Um, A.J. Green had a phenomenal game rushing, didn't get that many carries. I think he ended the game with like 10 carries, but he had 90-something yards. Um, K.J. Jefferson's one pick wasn't really his fault. He got hit while he was throwing. So um, the offensive line looked like absolute Swiss cheese. They – let anyone and everyone run at KJ Jefferson. And I think that was the the big difference in this game. They couldn't block on the run game. They couldn't block in the passing game. And it, it ended up just turning into BYU's favor. Um, 
weird morale back and forth in this game. Obviously, Arkansas started the game with like two quick touchdowns in the first five minutes of the game. And then very quickly after it switched and BYU scored two and then just kept flipping back and forth throughout the game. Really entertaining game to watch, even though my Hogs lost. All right. And then last but not least, since we had to put Barrett through that suffering, (laughs) our last one is going to be hyping Barrett up for his weekly ridiculously good call of the week. Oklahoma State lost to South Alabama. I said last week on the air that I was picking Oklahoma State and that I felt deeply uncomfortable because I was picking against what was clearly going to be one of the calls that Barrett makes for no good reason whatsoever and nails it exactly. You peeled it off. Oklahoma State has lost to South Alabama. So what what do we think about that game? Well, we said last week, or I said last week, that they had this three-quarterback system working for them. Barrett quickly corrected me, saying no. (laughs) And he was right. Man. (laughs) I I said myself that the three-quarterback system would stop working, but I explicitly said it would not stop working against South Alabama, but apparently it did. Yeah, they had just over 100 combined passing yards across three quarterbacks, which is horrendous. South Alabama has like the 109th ranked pass defense or something like that coming into this game too. They were bad, bad pass defense wise. So, and Oklahoma state's a team who I think had a chance to compete for a big 12 title bid, not because they were amazing, but because the schedule lined up for them that way. And this is a, uh, we'll see what happens. It, It could serve as a wake up call. Or it could not. Yeah. USA ran right over Oklahoma State's defense. They ran for almost 250 yards against the Pokes. So I think part of this was, you know, game script. USA held the ball, wasted a lot of time, kept Oklahoma State's offense off the field. And props to the Panthers, though. Tyreek Hill must be a happy man right now. Well, all things considered, when you look at all of our picks from last week, Barrett ran away with it last week. Barrett is the only one of the four of us who picked Team 2, which was Davidson in Davidson versus Marist. And (laughs) Davidson won. However, Barrett had run away with it so much that even without the ridiculously heavyweighted Davidson Marist game. He still beat the two of us. Um, Roll Toad also beat Jacob and I last week. However, I came in demonstrably last. (laughs) (laughs) But when you look at it across all the weeks, it is neck and neck. Barrett is in first place at 57 points. Jacob is at second place at 56 points. And I'm in third at 53 One mystery pick gone wrong can take any person to put in the lead here. And while I got clobbered on most of our games, I will brag that Notre Dame of Ohio did win. (laughs) That all being said, 
We've got some new games for this week. First and foremost, SMU at TCU. I believe during our section earlier, we all said we think TCU's taking that one, right? Yeah. You're so smart. Tech at West Virginia. Jacob. I'm going to go with Tech. Barrett. Yeah, I'll pick Tech here too. Freckham. I, I I hate liking Tech, but I go here. I got to I gotta pick him there. You're so smart. Oklahoma at Cincy. Oklahoma score 50 points again. Cincy lost to Miami, Ohio, which I think was also another one of yeah, Barrett's another Barrett underdog pick. picks that for some reason worked out for him. But, yeah, Cincy did not look good against Miami, Ohio, and I think Oklahoma will continue to just score at will. Yeah. OU's defense or offense has looked incredible this year. Um, I I think they beat Cincy very handedly. OU wins. OU is only picked to win by 14. OU easily covers that. Absolutely. Yeah. So smart. All right. BYU at Kansas. Jacob. Kansas. Kansas is good. I picked BYU over Arkansas last week, so I got lucky with that one. But. Yeah, Kansas is too good. Yeah. Like you said last week when we were talking about it, this is the first time ever we've been excited not to see Kansas on our schedule. Barrett. Uh, yeah, I'm with Jacob here. I think KU wins this one. I will. I don't think Keaton Slovis, Slovis looked very good against Arkansas. I think he continues to not look good against Kansas. Um if BYU can get the run game going, then this turns into a bit of a game. But I think Kansas's offense is, again, like OU, they're doing too hot to, to not pick them. I, I think Kansas is probably getting a little overrated with the heat they're getting from this. But like you said, right now they are too hot. They're not losing to BYU. They're picked to win by 7.5. I think they cover. They win, win and cover against BYU. You're so smart. This next game, I think, is arguably the most competitive game of the week for the absolute worst reasons. Oklahoma State at Iowa State, Jacob. <laughs> oh, man. Um, shoot. Where is it? It's at it's Iowa State. At Iowa State, and your thought process is very similar to what mine was. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to still take Oklahoma state. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Oklahoma state, uh, winning away. Yeah. I, I think this one's going to come down to defense and having three quarterbacks against a team that has a really good defense already. I don't think it's a good plan. We'll see if Oklahoma state makes any adjustments. I kind of doubt they will. Um, I'm going to pick Iowa State here. All right. Iowa State's at home, so I'm going with them. And having looked up the line, I'm going to say that Iowa State is going to cover the massive two-point spread that Vegas has assigned them. <laughs> in, in a game that will end 3-0, to zero, covering the massive spreads. All right. Sam Houston at Houston. Jacob. Mm, I think Houston gets the bounce back here. They have to. Otherwise... I mean, I think Dana's gone anyway after this season, but I 
I think they win this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Houston here, too. I don't think Sam Houston's that great. Obviously, they just joined the FBS, so. Houston's bad, but they're not that bad. Houston (laughs) takes takes the win. You're so smart. All right. This is the most painful call of every season for me. But I know who I'm picking because I'm not taking the other one. Texas at Baylor. Jacob. I really wish these two teams didn't play each other. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I said in the first episode that, or second episode that I wasn't taking Baylor all season and I won't this week. Although I won't be as mad if they win. Barrett. I just hope both teams don't have fun. Um, that being said, I think UT probably stomps Baylor in this game. All right. I think I, I'm I'm picking Texas because there's absolutely no scenario under it. You could have a gun to my head and all my family's head, and I still wouldn't pick Baylor. But <laughs> with that being said, it turns out, I think what our lesson was from this last week is that neither Texas nor Bama are as good as people, as the media wanted them to be in that game. They both looked pretty disappointing. I wouldn't be shocked if Baylor made this a lot more competitive than people are expecting it to be. That being said, I'm giving it to Texas. There's not a chance. If hell froze over and I kept fighting on the ice and it froze over again, I still wouldn't vote for Baylor. You're so smart. All right, UCF at K-State. This will probably be the best game of the week in in the Big 12. I think I'm going to go with UCF, but I, I don't know what the line is. I'm sure it's close because – well, actually, no, that depends on if Will Howard can play and if he's 100%. If Will Howard isn't 100%, I think UCF could run away with it. Barrett? Yeah, I uh... – I think this will be decided by whether or not K-State can stop the run. UCF's run game has looked really good. It's a staple of Gus Malzahn's offense historically. And I'm I'm riding with UCF here as well. I'm also riding with UCF. I don't know if I have the bravery to put a bet on it, but I just pulled it up. K-State is picked to win. I think if Will Howard is there, it's a close game that UCF can still win. And if it turns out Will Howard isn't there, I think Jake was right and they run away with it. Anybody listening who's maybe ahead of the game and has more balls than I do on this, UCF could be an interesting bet before they announce whether or not Will Howard's going to be able to play. There's there's something to be had there. I think he'll play. He finished the game against Mizzou. But if you watch the second half, they brought in their backup quarterback for design runs and they split Howard out to a wide receiver. And I think if you take away Howard's legs, he is still a fine quarterback, but he's much less dangerous than otherwise. Yeah, it's that's going to be an interesting game. It'll be fun to watch. All right, FSU at Clemson. Jacob. Oh, Florida State. Easy. Sorry. For a second, I thought that Clemson was good. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I will say playing at Clemson is tough. Um, Clemson in and of themselves, though, have looked not good at all. They've looked really, really bad. <laughs> um, FSU has looked okay. They've looked really good in some games and not so good in others, but I still think the, the Seminoles pull this one out. I went to FSU. I, I'm picking FSU. I don't have what it takes to put money on FSU covering the one-point spread. Clemson has had FSU's number for years, and FSU's been worse for years. But even with that said, it's it's been tough watching FSU play Clemson. Clemson wasn't spectacular last year, and FSU fans really thought last year was going to be their year to do it, and they still blew it. This year feels like the year for FSU to do it. I'm picking FSU, but I'm picking them very tentatively. You're so smart. Deion Sanders at Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, I, th- I think Oregon wins this one in a landslide. Um, Colorado should not have won last game. Travis Hunter is also hurt right now. Not sure if he will be by the time this game comes around, but didn't look good. Um, obviously got t- taken to a hospital, so prayers up for him. But um, if he's not playing, I think Oregon wins this one handedly. If he is playing, I I don't think he's at 100%, and I still think Oregon pulls out the win. Um, I have watched both these teams play in person this season. I'm relatively disappointed by both of them. Colorado has played three teams, all of whom were bad. And don't get me wrong, TCU has improved since then, but the day we played Colorado, we were not good. Nebraska is a dumpster fire. And then um, Colorado State, it was a rivalry game, so weird stuff happens. But the fact that it went to double overtime against the team they were picked to beat by three touchdowns is a very bad sign. Travis Hunter being out is a very bad sign. Oregon looked very beatable when I watched them play, but not beatable enough for Colorado to take them. Oregon's walking away with this one. Ole Miss at Bama. I'll go with Ole Miss, not confidently, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the underdog here. I'll go with Ole Miss. Yeah, I um, I struggle with this one because historically Nick Saban is really good against his old assistant coaches, which includes Lane Kiffin. Um, I I think for whatever reason, and we we talked about this last game or last week, I think this is the the positive side of the coin for um, Alabama's quarterback, and we end up him having just a field day with Ole Miss's defense. Who is Alabama's quarterback, though? Because they, they started their backup last game. They switched after the Texas game to the Notre Dame transfer. So I, I have no clue who they're going to start. I don't think they have a clue either. Yeah, I, Alabama hasn't looked great. I still think they pull this one out in Bryant Denny. I'm giving it to Ole Miss. Bama has looked remarkably disappointing. And 
when they pulled up that stat during the Texas game of teams that have ever won in Bryant-Denny, they're all in clusters because every time they start getting the home wins there, it's because Bama's down more than it was that the other team was good. I don't want Texas to be an exception to that. I think we're going to start seeing this in clusters. I think Bama's going to get a couple home losses this year. I think Ole Miss will be one of them. Um, the last one of this, before we get into our serious games, we have an Ohio State University versus the Notre Dame. <laughs> I wish I could abstain. <laughs> like, this is another game where I hate both of these teams. I'm going to go with Notre Dame just because Ohio State screwed us over last year in the playoffs. Ohio State screwed us over in the playoffs a couple times. Barrett. Uh, once again, I just hope both teams don't have fun. <laughs> I don't like either of these teams. I think they are both beatable at this point. Um, I think Ohio State pulls this one out solely for the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. is incredibly good. And I, I think he has a monster game in this game. <laughs> Notre Dame of Ohio got me three points this week. I'm riding with their little brother, Notre Dame of Indiana. Let's go. <laughs> Next, we get into our more serious round. We've got, first up, Arkansas Pine Bluff versus Alabama A&M. Jacob. We got to go with APB. Barrett? Uh, yeah. If, if any of y'all have ever been to Pine Bluff, it's a scary place. um i'm i'm gonna pick the sun devils here let's go uapb we are arkansas respecters here on this podcast i'm i'm going with apb as well i wanted to pick differently than you guys but as i've learned of many of these teams on this podcast i just think apb is too much of a perennial powerhouse next we have got northern state I don't know what state that is, <laughs> but like North Northern. America. We've got Northern State versus or at Winona State. Well, you know Winona State, perennial powerhouse, um, and rightly so after their namesake Winona Ryder. Um, so I, I have to take Winona. All right, Barrett. Yeah, I think Winona State's a good team. Those directional state colleges will get you though. And uh, you gotta you gotta watch out for them, especially if you don't know which state they're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a directional school coming from any direction is a terrifying concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the Great White North pulls this out and Northern State comes out with the dub. All right. Well, I actually thought I'd be agreeing with Barrett, but he went a different route than I expected him to. Our first week of predictions, when Barrett didn't know which way to go, he went with the more Southern-sounding team. Now, I don't technically know that Northern State is the more Northern team, but they're certainly the more Northern-sounding team. So I'm going with Winona State. Last one of this round, in honor of us playing Southern Methodist University this weekend, I have Southern Virginia 
at Methodist. I do not know if that is Methodist <laughs> University. Method. My ESPN app lists them as Methodists. So I've got <laughs> Southern Virginia at Methodist. Yeah, that would be Methodist University. Um, and I'm going to take the Christians here. You know, uh, it, it's going to be a close one. It'll be it'll be a barn burner for sure. Mark this one on your calendars. Watch it because it's going to be high scoring and entertaining, but Methodist is going to pull it out at the end. All right, Barrett. Um, Southern Virginia sounds a lot more like a, a Southern football team that I can support, especially not knowing where Winona State is. So um, <laughs> I am going to I'm going to pick Southern Virginia. Um, South will rise again. I'm riding with Barrett. South will rise again, Southern Virginia. I also have to say, off of what Jacob just said of the market, mark all of our three lesser-known games of the week because they've been bangers every week. I don't know who caught Nichols at Coast Guard last week, but it was 49-42, to and it was (laughs) phenomenal. Every time we pick a game, it comes out awesome. (laughs) Anyway, last but not least, the most important game of the week. Jacob, are you riding with Team 1 or Team 2? I'll I'll have it be said, again, I know the game, so XL picked Team 1 for me. I'm going Team 2. I'm done picking Team 1. They've lost it for me two out of three weeks. And because of that, I can't can't ride with them anymore. Okay, and Barrett. Uh, I've picked Team 2 every single week. They will be my ride or die. Um, I am picking Team 2 again. (laughs) XL having picked Team 1 for me. With me in last place, this is my opportunity to finally jump you two. Team 1 better come through. Because quite frankly, they haven't come through very well this season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lastly, to wrap things up, I'm going to give you my bets for the week. We covered a couple of them already. I've got OU covering 14 points at Cincinnati. That seems like a gimme. Colorado, I'm taking Colorado with the points. They are picked to lose to Oregon by 18. I think they lose, but Oregon doesn't strike me as that impressive. I'm I'm taking Colorado plus 18. Utah minus six at UCLA. I think Utah takes that. My big one, we talked about this, Ole Miss, I think, beats Bama. I have Ole Miss money line, and then I'm hedging with Ole Miss plus seven. Uh, we talked about this as well. Kansas, I'm taking minus seven and a half at BYU. My, I'm feeling really good. UAB plus 39 at Georgia. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. I'm going to say it again the whole season. Georgia is a very, very, very good team, but they are not the team they were last year. They do not beat UAB by 39 points this week. And lastly, Arizona State is picked to lose to USC by 32 and a half. USC is another very good team. They've got a bad defense. They do not beat Arizona State by 32 and a half. That is it for us this week. Thank you all so much for tuning in to hear your three favorite geniuses give their not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football and other interesting things around the country. Thank you all so much, and go Frogs. He'll dance it around, floats it towards the end zone, 
And a pass is caught for the touchdown. Jalen Rager snuck in there. 